Dennis Bernstein, we're going to have some news later in the show about 23, but episode 123, we're coming to you a few hours after the NHL trade deadline. DB, we have content to chew on, but it's probably not as much as some Kings fans may have wanted based upon the social media reaction today. Is that a fair assessment? Very fair, Jay. Great to be back with you. And yes, not, but done. We'll get to it later, but not unexpected given the state of the injuries and the roster and stuff like that. So I wasn't expecting, nor were you expecting no. any big moves, but uh, we'll get to that in time. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes, you know, some readers or fans or whatever don't like when we tell them, like we told you so, or, Hey, reference this article where we laid it all out a couple of weeks ago, but people, sometimes that's why we reference that information is to let you know, to prepare you, to educate you so that you don't, you know, get caught off guard because this shouldn't have been a surprise to you. We laid it out on Mayor's Manor. We laid it out on Kings of the Podcast on our last episode, which was uh, fantastic. You know, we were Boston bound at that point. We had a little Dropkick Murphys in there. But hey, DB, look, here's what we're going to do today, okay? For the agenda, we're going to kind of slowly build to a crescendo. So right now, 12 people are going to fast forward to the third period because they don't want to be educated and have patience. But we're going to talk prospects. Then we're going to build into some trades. We're even going to mix in a little bit of Ducks talk. But let's start out with the NC2A tournament, okay? Because sure. there was some confusion among uh, Kings fans on social media, and that's fair. We don't have college hockey in Southern California just yet, right. so people aren't uh, totally tuned into how college hockey works, but you kind of have the playoffs before the playoffs. So teams are in a conference, and then most conferences have a conference tournament to determine the conference champion, which is not the regular season champion. That's the regular season champion. So it's right. confusing, <laughs> I know. And then there's the conference champion, and then after that, you have 16 teams teams that really make it into the the broader NC2A playoffs and those 16 teams are fighting for what's called the Frozen Four. That's a quick background right. there. The uh the conference champions typically get a an automatic berth into the field of 16. And so sometimes you end up with the situation where like the regular season champion ends up winning the tournament and ends up going straight into the final uh 16 and that's great. Uh, but other times you have an upset. And so right, right. say like uh, Minnesota, who's a top five team, right? Maybe they lose in the, in the tournament or the, 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 the uh, champion, excuse me. I'm so sorry. They lose in the, uh, the conference tournament, tournament right. but they still make the, the cut of 16 based upon their regular season sure. record. But then somebody who like a Harvard this year, they end up winning the tournament for their conference. And then they end up making it into the yeah. field of 16. All right, enough not, of the rules. Here. Yeah, it's not like it's it's not unlike March Madness. We have teams that like a team like Providence that had a great record. They went up playing in the Big East tournament, they lose. 
So they don't get the automatic berth, but they're getting in anyway. And right. so another team gets in. So the at-large teams that don't have those berths, there's a risk of them not making the tournament. Thank you, Dennis, for the phrase at large. That was the phrase yes, that was escaping me, and I was yes. tongue-tied there. Yes. That's what I'm here for, still, Jay. I wanted to make sure I spelled birthright today when I was um, <laughs> tweeting it out. I was like, wait, it's birth, B-E-R-T-H, right? Hold on. Let me Google search that, you know, just to make make sure, because you have all of the grammar specialists that are out there on Twitter. Oh, I knew yeah. it wasn't B-I-R-T-H because, you know, you weren't birthing uh, uh, something, right. but – I was like, it is B-E-R-T-H. So I double-checked it. So my tweet yes. was correct. But for those of you that missed it, here's the really exciting part that I wanted to get to, DB. The yep. Kings have five college prospects uh, this season. And if you've been paying attention on Twitter, uh, Mayor NHL, uh, every Monday we've been posting and telling you where those teams were ranked and how they were doing and whatnot. So five teams, and here's the really cool thing, all are five players on four teams. All five players, all four teams ended up making it into the final bracket of 16 teams, which is really super cool because that wasn't expected coming in, especially right. with Harvard, right? So all the teams made it. And here's what's even cooler, DB, is that the way that the six, the bracket of 16 works is you have these quads. So there's, you know, a four over here, four, then the next right. four, the next four, the next four. So the Kings teams, the Kings prospects are in different quads. Now, I don't think this is going to happen, Dennis, but it's at least conceivably mm -hmm. possible mathematically that all four of the teams could advance right. if they yeah. all won their quad. Sure. So that's pretty Absolutely. cool. So uh, just to rattle these things off real quickly, we won't spend too much time on it. For those that don't follow college hockey, I will tell you that you absolutely should be this year. And I'm even going to drop some teases right now, Dennis, before I give you the bracket to really hook the listeners and bring them in. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. St. Cloud, St. Cloud State, the goaltender, one of our all-time favorite guests, David Rennick. He was on the program. People still talk about it. He was fantastic. Now, he could have signed a pro contract last year, but what the NC2A did is they gave everybody – an extra year of eligibility. So he was actually able to come back after his quote unquote senior year last year and play a fifth year of college hockey. Now, last summer, the Kings chose not to offer him a contract breaking news here, Dennis, I was going to save it for the mayor's manor prospect rankings, but I'm giving it to Kings of the podcast right now. Breaking news. The Kings are uh, going to offer from what I understand, David Rennick, a contract. Okay. There's going to be some conversation there. He has had such an impressive year that it looks like going back for his fifth and final year of college hockey has really helped out. So St. Cloud, the first bracket, uh, the first quad, you have Michigan and American International, uh, Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac, whatever, yeah. and St. Cloud State. Those four teams are in the first quad. That's going down in Allentown, Pennsylvania, home of, of course, the WWE uh, tapings for a long time. Jimmy Snooker <laughs> does not like that area. Look that up, folks, if you don't get the reference. Uh, St. Cloud <laughs> State plays on Friday night, March 25th, ESPN News. You can watch that on your cable provider, okay? Uh, the next prospect is, of course, the big name one. Uh, oh, we'll save Minnesota. The next one is UMass Lowell. Andre Lee, Ben Meehan. Ben Meehan's the defenseman, kind of been flying under the radar, had a fabulous season. And Andre Lee, anybody who follows prospect camp knows how big I am on this kid. No pun yeah. intended because he's like 6'9". I've loved this kid from the very first time that he Day came one. to prospect Absolutely. camp. Absolutely. Okay? Yep. Soft hands, big body. He has really developed uh, every year that he's been there. And I have some breaking news. The Kings are going to offer him a contract this summer, from what I understand. And it most likely is going to be a situation where he's going to have to make a decision. Does he want to go back to school for another year or does he want to turn pro? But that's the situation that they're angling. The development guys, from what I understand, really love this kid. He's done a lot to impress them, not only when he was at camp last year, but just a phenomenal season there as well at UMass Lowell. Uh, so 
there's two little bits of breaking news that I haven't released right. anywhere. That, that's Kings of the Podcast exclusive there, DB. Now, I will tell you, they are in for it in their bracket, okay? Denver is playing UMass Lowell, mm-hmm. and Denver is uh, historically, traditionally, right. you know, a perennial top team uh, in, in the country. Denver and UMass Lowell, they play on Thursday night, this Thursday, against, uh, or sorry, on ESPNU, so you can watch that. Minnesota Duluth, which, of course, is Alex Iafalo's former team, uh, Minnesota Duluth and uh, Michigan Tech are playing in the other bracket there. So that's that quad, that particular quad. Now, the next quad features Brock Faber. Dennis, you're never going to believe this, but guess what? I also have some breaking news on Brock Faber <laughs> as well. I'm full of it tonight, DB. I'm ready to go, okay? A lot of people say you're full of it, but let's go. Come on. I've been working the phones the last couple of weeks, <laughs> Beautiful. DB. Beautiful. Yeah. Those that think I'm full of it, just check the record, and it's all in print, people, okay? <laughs> it's all in print. Uh, I have all the receipts. You let me know when you're ready and when you're coming. King for receipts. It. Not Kings of the Podcast. Kings of Receipt, John. That's right. That's our new podcast, DB. Kings of Receipts. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Damn it. We got to go trademark that as soon as this thing is over. Absolutely. Um, I guess, from what Faber. I understand, it's not the lock that it was once perceived to be that Faber is going to sign. Now, it still seems to be that Faber is going to sign at the completion of this season. However, there could be some things pulling at his heartstrings because if Minnesota does not go on and win a national championship mm. this year, they have one of the best returning classes right. uh, and, and, and incoming freshman classes as well, recruiting classes. Minnesota, much like Michigan was coming into this season, Minnesota is loaded for next season. And so if Faber, two things, if he wants to go back like one more year, and remember, he started early at school, so he'll be much closer to graduating. If yep. he wants to hurry up and get his degree and take another crack at a national championship, depending what kind of taste is left in his mouth, it's not the foregone conclusion that it once was that Faber's going to turn pro. He could go back for one more year before joining the LA Kings. Uh, we'll have to see how this plays out. And if you want to see the start of it, you're going to want to watch this Friday because Minnesota plays UMass, and oh, by the way, if you don't follow college hockey, that is the uh, reigning and defending national champion, UMass. So that's who Minnesota is taking on Friday night on ESPNU. The other two teams in that bracket would be Western Michigan and Northeastern. Now, in the final bracket, DB, you have Minnesota State. Uh, you have Harvard, which was the big surprise winner of their conference tournament, and mm-hmm. that is where really um, one of the fastest rising prospects in the LA Kings organization, you can find him, uh, Alex Lafiere. Now he mm-hmm. it was a mid round pick, uh, but people love this kid. I have a whole write up coming on him in the uh, prospect rankings, which are set Great. to come out here in the next couple of days, if everything goes right. So keep an eye on Harvard. They're taking on Minnesota state. Minnesota state is favored, uh, coming into it. They were 35 and five in the regular season. Harvard was 21 and 10. Uh, but it's not about the records, DB. It's about, yeah. are you coming in yeah. hot and they're coming right. in hot. They just won the conference championship. Now, North Dakota, uh, of course, that's, you know, uh, might might as well be a farm system for the LA Kings at one point. A lot of kids coming out of North Dakota along with St. Cloud. North Dakota and Notre Dame are going to duke it out on the other side of that bracket. Uh, That is actually taking place in Albany, New York, and the Harvard game goes down on Thursday. So, again, just to recap, you have Harvard on Thursday. You have Minnesota on Friday. You have uh, UMass Lowell on Thursday, and you have St. Cloud on Friday. So you can watch those five Kings prospects in those four games, and we'll see actually who ends up advancing. Now, the final four this year, Dennis, is in Boston, which is super Mm -hmm. cool, coming up in a couple of weeks. So uh, if you win on Thursday or Friday, you advance, and then you have one more game that you would have to play either this Saturday or this Sunday, and that would be the winner of your quad. And then the winner of the quad advances to the Frozen Four, and the Frozen Four goes down on April 7th, you have the two games in Boston, 
the two semifinal games. And then the championship game is on Saturday, April 9th. And that, of course, will be broadcast on ES. All three of those games uh, at the Frozen Four will be broadcast on ESPN2. So uh, there's your plug to watch all of that stuff. So, DB, any thoughts about college hockey? Are you going to tune in at all? Are you going to watch a game? Are you going to be paying attention? Or are you just going to chirp from the sidelines? What do you have planned here? Uh, no, I, I'll tune in. I will. I, I, okay. I think. Can I sit through a whole game? I'm not sure. And John, all kidding aside, CBS Sports Network does televise games. Like, and, and I do watch them. I, I do watch stretches of games. Can I sit through an entire college game? Probably not. But to see like these games with the best against the best, yeah, you tune in. And, and Frozen Four is is a very very popular tournament. So to me, um, I'll be watching. I'm not sure I'll be watching the entire thing. So I'll I'll look for updates from you regardless. All right, I will have your updates. I'm very interested. Now, David Rennick, just to give you one final closing note on this, he did miss the final series of the weekend um, uh, in, in the conference tournament, and he was ill on Friday. The expectation was that he was going to be back that Saturday. They ended up losing that game. Who knows? They could have gone further in the conference tournament, but we are expecting yeah. Rennick, uh, from all indications, to be available and ready to go, last I heard, uh, for for the big one here this weekend, so there, or on Thursday. So there you go. That's what's going on in the world of college hockey, DB. Now, before we get into the to the LA Kings, there were another series of tweets that went out uh, across town. We've talked quite a yeah. bit about the Anaheim Ducks, and I just want to give a little bit of attention here to their prospect pool as well, because DB, I've made the comment, you've made the comment, I think we're all on the same page here, that the Kings and Ducks are on a very interesting collision course in the coming years. Both teams have stacked prospect pools. Now, mm -hmm. you could make the argument that the Kings are maybe a year ahead, especially after last summer, getting to know, getting Arvidsson. Yeah. They're a little bit ahead in the rebuild. But you can very quickly, Dennis, catch up in the offseason. Pat Verbeek, he has plenty of assets at his disposable, disposal, the new GM in Anaheim. Uh, he could catch up in a very quick hurry. But whether it's next season or even the season after, Kings and Ducks are going to put on some fantastic hockey here in Southern California, I believe, Dennis. Yeah, well, you know, I was on a serious extent earlier in the season, and uh, it was Shane O'Brien asked me who's more likely to make the playoffs, Kings and Ducks. And he, I said Kings, and he said Ducks. But, look, there's a lot of – and not for nothing, John. Like, John Gibson, he's not playing well. Anthony Stolarz is the better goalie down there. But I agree with you. Big picture – and I made a joke. We did some video for TFP. But, uh, not, Pat Verbeek hasn't leaned in – to a rebuild, he's full body surfed this <laughs> this rebuild. I, and I, you can you can you can and, and you have the information on the the amount of draft picks that they got um, for Lindholm and Manson and uh, Raquel. So why don't you just give the litany of picks that they got over the last what couple of weeks since they made these three deals? Yeah, and you had to know that it was coming, right, DB? Because we even set this up a month or two ago here on Kings of the Podcast. If you were going to keep Manson or you were going to keep uh, uh, Raquel or even if you were going to keep Lindholm, that was going to kind of signal an indication of what your plans were going forward, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But if you unloaded all of those UFAs, you've gone really, really young. And Dennis, let's just talk about how young they are. I mean, this wasn't even something I had planned, but look at the lineup that they're playing tonight. They're playing uh, Nashville yeah. down there at the Ponda. On the top line, you have uh, Comtois, you have Zegris and Terry on the second line, you have Steele mm -hmm. and Lundestrom on the third line. Yeah. I mean, that's a young team right there. You have Drysdale playing top minutes. Now, I'm very curious to see about what happens with Drysdale also because he had been playing primarily with Lindholm and now you have Fowler going up there and playing with him. I'll tell you, if I was Jamie Drysdale, I'd be the most bummed of all the Ducks players to know yeah. that I lost my defensive partner and the guy who was really mentoring me and making me look good on many nights. 
I'm curious to see how Cam Fowler is his partner. I know they played a little bit together last season, if I remember correctly. Uh, but I am curious to see how Drysdale, you know, sort of develops uh, or adjusts, whatever word you want, with Cam Fowler as his new partner. Yeah, well, he's got, what, 20-some-odd games to adjust. And now the Ducks got to leave the nest. He he got mentored by Hampus. And you know, the story with Hampus is they Ducks offered him more money, AAV, but they wouldn't go more than four years because you could see what the strategy is with respect to building or rebuilding this team. When did went to Boston announced from Boston standpoint, John, they have McAvoy and Hanley home sell until 2030. I might be covering the sport by 2030, but they're, <laughs> they're locked up a long time at this point. So a guy they needed in Boston, but a great return for Pat Verbeek. And you can see, John, you can see where he was trained. You see who mentored him, right? It was Steve Eiserman. And you can see what he's doing down in Anaheim. So I agree with you. I think two to three years from now, look out. I was teams. very, uh, just to follow up on your comment there, I was very perplexed by that comment when Lindholm made that comment. So he signs for eight times 6.25, mm -hmm. and he said that Anaheim offered him more money but less mm -hmm. term. And that's right. just interesting to me because if you were willing to go three, four, five, I don't care what the number is, right, the number of yeah. years you were willing to go, you had to have known that you're going to burn a couple of years off of that going yeah. through this rebuild, right? So really what, in my mind at least, what you would have wanted to do is sign him, for longer than the three, four, five years. Maybe you didn't mm -hmm. want to go eight, but man, could you have gone six? Because I think you could have made the money work if you wanted to do six. I just thought it was a very interesting comment because what would the strategy be? What would the reasoning be? It's not like Hampus Lindholm, for as good as he is, is a superstar and is selling jerseys. And it's not right. like it was going to have a negative impact to the franchise from that perspective. The major impact in losing Hampus Lindholm was the development of Jamie Drysdale and giving mm -hmm. you a rock solid top pairing defenseman very odd to me. On I, I, I wish we knew exactly what they had offered him because I'm, I'm perplexed by that. Yeah, you would think what seven and a half, eight over four. I think that that's what it would have been. I think that it'd be signing for six, six and change. And he wanted the security, wanted long term. He didn't have to worry about this anymore. So now he's got a security. He's going to be in Boston for eight seasons or seven yeah. seasons or whatever. I don't know why you. I don't know why you would sign him for four years though, because you're going to burn at least two of those. Like I said, through the rebuild. Yeah. Why wouldn't you sign him for five? Why wouldn't you sign him for six and at least get some bang for your buck on the back end of it? But uh, to close out the comment on the Ducks here, Dennis, you, you made yeah. reference to it here. I mean, they have just received a haul. The, to, to put this in perspective, people, the Ducks have, have acquired seven draft picks in the first three rounds of the next three NHL drafts. So yeah. they have a 2022 first rounder from Boston. They also have a second rounder from Pittsburgh. So they're, they just added two uh, key picks for this year. Next year, they added a second from Boston, a second from Colorado, a third from Minnesota, and what could be a second from Vegas because it's either next year or the year after. So potentially next year, they could have three seconds that they added plus yep. a third. That's a lot. And then in 2024, they have the second from Boston and then potentially that other second from Vegas. So that's a lot. Dennis, here's what we're talking about, though. Uh, from 2019 to 2022, including the upcoming draft, the Ducks will have had seven first-round picks over a four-year span. Seven mm -hmm. first-round picks in four years. Zegras, Tracy, Drysdale, Perot, McTavish, and then plus the two that they're going to have this year. It's not a bad haul right there, including, of course, uh, Mason McTavish, who, you know, uh, that, that's my guy right there. So, yeah, he looks um, like a monster, for sure. Oh, the dude's a beast, right? Uh, and, you know, Zegras and Drysdale and, and Tracy and Perot, they're, they're not looking like too, too, bad of picks, <laughs> too bad of picks either there. Um, right. And then just think about what they have in the pipeline, Dennis. Just listen to this yeah. list. These are all first-round picks that they have right now Zegr that are playing, I'm talking about. Yeah. Zegras, Drysdale, McTavish, Lundestrom, Jones, Steele, Perot, Tracy, 
Oh, and they have Max Comtois, who went 50th overall. So, yeah. uh, Dennis, to say that they are loaded and ready and have the assets would be an understatement. Uh, nine selections coming up in the first two rounds of the next two drafts. Nine selections in the first two rounds yep. of the next two drafts. They're ready to go, DB. They can make a trade. If Verbeek wants to, what would you say, body surf? If yeah. he wants to catch a big wave, I don't know, yep. maybe a Jacob Chikrin, maybe somebody else. If yep. they want to catch a oh, big yeah. wave, they are one of the teams that yeah, has the yeah. assets to do it this summer. Absolutely. But, uh, it, John, it's not Bob Murray's team anymore, for certain. <laughs> it is not Bob Murray's team. And, you know, just imagine Jeff Solomon, what what he's going through, right? The emo it's, Dude, 12 months, the emotions of the last 12 yeah. months. He worked for decades in Los Angeles. He leaves that franchise. He goes to work for a new franchise, which happens to be the division rival. It's not like he went to, like, yeah. Dallas, right, or right, Columbus. Right. or I mean, there's an emotional thing that happens moving to the Anaheim Ducks, his crosstown rival for all that time. He goes to that team under one leader. Then that leader ends up leaving. Like, all of a sudden, the rug's pulled out from under him. That leader's gone. He's the interim GM. Now he has a new guy. Now they're doing a rebuild. Man, he talk about riding and surfing a wave. Jeff uh, Solomon, the briefcase, man. Uh, by the way, to the guy who followed me on Twitter, uh, at the briefcase or whatever it was the other day, that was pretty funny. I give you credit for that. Uh, thank you for being a longtime listener of Kings of the Podcast. This is the last DB, of Most the of the Twitter trolls... Um, I think Panyota had the uh, the fake David Pan Dave Panyota right, every he's weekend. Got like seven fake, <laughs> seven fake accounts. Some of them are just lame, and I don't understand. But um, the briefcase one was kind of funny to me. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, any parting thoughts on the Ducks before we wrap up the first period? We will come back and actually talk LA Kings, Dennis. All right, there you go. We'll be back. Nick Delorier scoring goals and knocking people out in Minnesota. <laughs> right. Uh, but we'll be back after the break. We'll talk some LA Kings talk. <laughs> second period this is kings of the podcast not ducks of the podcast so Correct. we will talk we'll talk some la kings here uh this particular period but we'll talk about the king's organization dennis let's keep it rolling here we'll talk about the ontario rain very briefly just because some people were wondering well why were the rain more active than the la kings and really it all kind of fits together like a puzzle okay sure. so the la kings uh, due to injuries, and that list is long, Dennis, we will get into it, due to the laundry list of injuries to the LA Kings, they have had to rob or steal or borrow from the Ontario Reign many of their best players to stock at the NHL level. And so because of that, the Ontario Reign, who do continue to play games, by the way, and um, with their next victory, they will clinch a playoff spot. I'm talking about the Reign. Uh, to win those games, to play the, the final stretch here, they need players. And so they've been moving around some players. And so they picked up a player from Nashville in exchange for Braden Burke. Mm -hmm. Braden Burke was a forward that they had uh, picked up last summer. He had kind of been in and out of the lineup, had an opportunity to sort of solidify a spot, didn't do it. Um, and so they moved him out for a defenseman, which is going to give them some additional help. And then the rain also made an additional, uh, well, the Kings officially made the trade, but it's, it's, right. it's a move for the rain, Dennis, uh, mm -hmm. where they moved out Marcus Phillips 
uh, and basically an exchange of a left-handed defenseman for a right-hand defenseman with Winnipeg. And it's so interesting because I kind of love the fact that Winnipeg is the de facto team. Whenever the Kings need to kind of move a player who needs a change of scenery, like a Daniel Brickley or somebody else, right? right. It's Winnipeg to the rescue. Like, hey, come on, let's just <laughs> let's swap some guys that need a change of scenery. And I just wanted to give my closing thoughts on Marcus Phillips uh, for those that, that maybe don't know about him. Mid-round draft pick. And he was not expected or penciled in by anybody, Dennis, to make Team Canada when he was mm -hmm. in junior. And what this guy did over the course of one season, and I think we had Mark Unetti on a while back, maybe during one of his first appearances. I, I believe he talked about it. I know that it was part of something I did in an article at the time of World Juniors. Um, it's pretty remarkable what he did, Dennis. He was basically an offensive defenseman who they came to and said, hey, look, we need you to change your game 100%. We need you to become a defensive right. defenseman. Um, okay, so just basically forget everything that I've ever done my whole life and what I thought was going to get me to the NHL and like completely change my game. Yeah, and we need you to do it in about six months because you need to get ready. Oh, okay. So he worked with a number of different development guys uh, at different levels, uh, you know, different coaches, different schools, different whatever. He completely changed his game, DB. And then at the World Junior Tournament, it was in Vancouver a couple years ago, he mm -hmm. went from being a player that was not even expected to make Team Canada, which is the most difficult roster to make in World Juniors, to being the top pair shutdown defenseman on the biggest stage for under 21-year-old right. players on a team that was loaded with first-round picks. And if I remember correctly, I should have looked it up before the show. If I remember correctly, Dennis, everybody on the team was a first-rounder except one of their extra players was a second-rounder, but he was mm -hmm. taken like, third pick in the second round, right? Like he's like a top 35 player, but technically was a second rounder. And then you had Marcus Phillips, who was a mid round pick who was on right. that team. And he's playing top minutes, Dennis, as a shutdown defenseman. I just give him all the credit in the world. And sure. where I was going with this is it's really unfortunate because a lot of people, myself included, um, then started to get a little bit of higher hopes for this mid round pick. Like, Hey, maybe this guy has found his calling, you know, maybe he's a late bloomer type thing, whatever you want to say maybe he can make something at the pro level. And unfortunately, it just never really translated right. um, at the pro level. And uh, he's, he's had some challenges. He's had some struggles. He was, he was in and out of the lineup. He was often a healthy scratch and was just kind of like that other guy that was there in Ontario. Um, you know, sure, well-liked by his teammates and whatnot, Dennis, but he had no future, none, zero right. uh, in the LA Kings organization. Mavari had already jumped by him on the left side. And, and you know, there's more coming as well. So, Good on the Kings. Give the guy a change of scenery. Hey, maybe it can work out for him in Winnipeg. Sorry to sure. see Marcus Phillips go. But, DB, how about this, too? Today was his birthday. Dude oh. was traded <laughs> on his birthday to Winnipeg. Oh, no. I know, but Manitoba. So, there you go. The reality of the business, John. It is. Did you hear about that guy? The goalie, I think it was. He was playing in, like, Siberia last week, and then now he's going to be playing in Arizona? Yeah. The goalie? I mean, yeah. that's a life change, pal. That's a life change. For sure. <laughs> Fate took hand, man. Rub that, that guy for good luck. Rub that guy for good luck and play the lottery. That's oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, he He's winning this week, for sure. He's, yes, he's winning. He won, he's winning it. He he's won winning. the internet. Yeah, he won the internet. He's winning at life this week. So that's the explanation, guys. Um, many of the players that were traded by the LA Kings as part of this kind of Ontario reign restock, you know, whatever, uh, they won't see the light of day with the LA Kings. This was not about that. So then you had four other players, Dennis, and this is interesting because the Kings had the opportunity to send down anybody that they wanted yeah. mm -hmm. because of what used to be called clear day, where you right. have to be on the AHL roster, roster 
by the time the trade deadline hits, if you're not yep. on the AHL roster, when the trade deadline in the NHL happens, you can't play in the AHL playoffs, the Calder Cup playoffs. So you see these paper transactions every year where yeah. teams like the Kings will send some guys down at a, you know 11.55 a.m. our time, and then an hour later, they will recall one or more players. Now, you only are and allowed... And they're not eligible for the regular season too, right? No, they and can't... The I think uh, no. If do. a player gets sent down, it's not going to happen. But let's just if say if there is a roster today, you yeah. can't play in the regular season or the playoffs. I think you can play in the regular season. If Dursey was sent down nah, to the AHL today, I thought he could play in the regular season. Yeah, it's about it's all about the playoffs. Okay. So, and if I'm wrong on that, I'm wrong. But I, I'm I'm pretty sure that exact scenario happened uh, last year, if I remember correctly. I'd have to go back and look it up. I'll I'll, I'll okay. look it up later. But it is it is yeah. all about the playoffs. Okay. And Got and it. the point right. is that you only get four call-ups because this happened to the Kings last right. year. You, you only get four right. call-ups. And there was some initial confusion last year because over the course of, you know, from the trade deadline to the end of the season, whatever, call it eight weeks, whatever it normally is. Uh, last year, the Kings had four call-ups before they got to Byfield. And so there was mm -hmm. a little bit of initial confusion because I had been reporting for quite some time when Byfield was going to be recalled or called up and he was mm -hmm. going to make his NHL debut. And it was like, well, wait a minute, what happened here? I had the fourth one and then come to find out that the, the one of them was a, a, an emergency recall. And so they were, they didn't count towards the four. And so Byfield ended up uh, still being eligible to be called up. Well, here's the reason I bring this up today, Dennis, uh, because I specifically asked. So the Kings were sending down four players now mind you they had more than four players up at the nhl level that in a perfect scenario they would have wanted to send down they right. would have wanted to send down sure. austin strand and they right. would have wanted to send down mavari right because it, they want them to play if right. everybody in the in la is healthy they want those players to be available for ontario because they want ontario to go on a deep playoff run but the problem is they only had four recalls at their disposal so out of like seven or eight players that they could have sent down, well, the Kings ended up sending down today, as you know, they sent down Byfield, they sent down Kapari, they sent down Velarde, and they sent down Spence. So those four players went down, and then an hour later, they were recalled. Of course. So those four players are now eligible for the AHL playoffs with the Ontario Reign. That brings its own sort of problems, Dennis, because... You don't expect Quentin Byfield, as an example, to be available to the Ontario Reign in the playoffs because you expect the Kings to be in the playoffs. <laughs> right. So that was a calculated decision that may or may not actually come back to bite them because you have to then look at the defensive side of things. Jacob Mavari was not sent down. Austin mm -hmm. Strand was not sent down because they could, they'd only had four spots to play with. Right. right? Had they sent those two players down today, they would not have been able to be recalled to the NHL. They would have had to stay mm -hmm. in the American yeah, League. They would, so on the one hand, they would have been eligible for the rain in the playoffs, but the Kings wouldn't have had healthy defensemen to play tomorrow night right. against Nashville, right? So yep. you go, well, this is just crazy. This is crazy. So yeah, so Mavari, and I love this, Dennis. So I uh, was texting with the Kings executive today, and I said, what would you have told, how much would you have bet me on October 1st if I would have told you that Jacob Mavari on March 21st was going to be on the NHL roster and not be eligible not for the AHL playoffs, and the response was, you would be a very rich man. And of course, of course <laughs> I would, because course. anybody would have bet stacks and stacks of money 
Nobody right. would have expected Jacob Mavari to be on the NHL roster and to not be in the AHL playoffs. I'm not sure if this is all making sense in the verbal form, Dennis. Maybe if I wrote an article and put it all down on paper, but this is just yeah. crazy, crazy stuff that's going on right now. Well, it's the, this, John, you, we've covered this team for what, 20 years? The level of injury to impact players is unprecedented. It's never, never happened no. in this in this short frame, time frame of, of, of time. It's never happened. It's unprecedented. So you have situations where Jacob Mavari and Boston Strand can't play in the Calder Cup playoffs. That's that's the challenge. That's the issue. So so think about that though, DB, because they didn't have to send Byfield down. They right. could have. See what they did is by sending by. Some people might be asking, well, then why did they send Byfield down? Just leave him on the NHL roster and send down Mavari instead, and then you recall him. So the four down and then recall the four could have been Kapari, Velarde, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mavari, and and Spence, and then all of them would have been available to the AHL team, right? But what they did is this: they guaranteed that Quentin Byfield is going to be in the playoffs. That's why they right. did it. So if, yeah. if the if the wheels fall off in L.A. somehow, mm-hmm. some way, and everything goes wrong and the Kings don't make the playoffs, Byfield is still going to get postseason sure. play this year because he's eligible in Ontario, and Ontario is definitely going to be in the playoffs. In, right. So, exactly. so, so Byfield, he's getting postseason one way or the other. Now, my point was, if both teams make the playoffs, you know, it's kind of a bummer in a sort of way because you burned one of your, your short. Oh God. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So the thing I was saying though earlier was I, I confirmed that all four of these are regular recalls, Dennis, they're not emergency mm-hmm. recalls. Right. So at this point, if there's a need for a further recall, they are going to have to go to the emergency route. And mm-hmm. at that point, I mean, they're you know, like what? Well, Lannan on defense could be an yeah. emergency recall. There's really not anybody left with NHL experience because they, they have them all up in LA and Spence and, Mavari and Strand. Yeah, they've taken them all. So they'd have um, to claim somebody on waivers or something. That's what will have, probably have to happen. Uh, yeah, but if they claim somebody on waivers, that player would not be eligible. Uh, I guess if he was yeah. already eligible, he could be. Yeah. Now, oh, one other thing people asked about if they sign Brock Faber, um, he is eligible because uh, he would turn pro coming out of college. So if they signed him, he could play uh, in the NHL. Mm-hmm which is different than Brant Clark, for example, because even though he signed, he's a junior player, and so right. he has to play. In, unless his team is eliminated from the playoffs, then they could s- send him to Ontario, which they do kind of periodically. We'll get into that later. Sure. Junior players that get eliminated, they end up in the in the minor leagues getting a little bit of taste of things. Um, that that seems to happen sort of every year. But the Kings roster is fascinating to me right now, Dennis. Uh, not, <laughs> and and, I, and I'm, I'm not just talking about, like, wins and losses. I mean, just how they're constructing it and putting it together. And, you know, Velarde's playing wing now and playing with Byfield. And, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah. fat. Ferk's on the fourth line or was on the fourth line. Like, yeah, it was just, we like, in the old Kaliev position, you know, mm-hmm. they're giving Artie a long look at the, at the, uh, the second line there, kind yep. of giving him a, I guess, a, a dry run for, for next season in a way. They are, but there's nobody else to put on the lines, John. That's the problem. <laughs> they're short. I mean, look, they've got what, eight players on injured reserve? Eight. Yeah, well, you could you could mix it up and do it differently because actually Todd addressed this the other day. It, was, it wasn't my specific question, but uh, I, I had put in the thing. I, I had tweeted to put in the thing. Wow, I had put I had tweeted during the other game. It was kind of a, it was an offshoot of a private conversation you and I had where I was like, "Look, the Kempe Kopitar thing is just not working right now." I would have put Kempe with Dano, gotten Kempe going, and then pushed him back up with Kopi, right? Uh, yeah. and, and then hopefully a, a going Kempe would have gotten a going, you know, would, would have gotten Kopitar going. But Todd basically said, no, look, um, that when you do something like that, 
it causes problems on other lines. Yeah. And, and he's kind of right because then, well, what do you do with Kaliev, right? Do you want to put Kaliev right. then up on the top line? Probably not. Okay, so you move him to the third line. Okay, well, then who's going to play in the Kempe spot? You want to put Gabe up there? No, I don't want to put that no. kind of pressure on him, like five games into his return. So who are you going to put up there? You have, Like you said, because everybody's out injured, you know, maybe you could make a move like that, though, when Arvidsson comes back, because then maybe Arvi could reunite with Kopitar. Yeah. Kempe yeah. can then drop down at that time. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me, Dennis. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's very curious. What would you do when, when Arvidsson comes back? I would put Arvidsson with – I'd want one line in tech. So I'd put Arvidsson with Deneau and more because that worked. Because you need Victor to score. He's familiar. And he was – you know, once the calendar turned to 2022, Joe, he produced. He yeah. produced with those guys. So to me, I would just try – and I would just hope, and it sounds crazy, that Kopitar and Kempe start producing at some point. I don't mm-hmm. think they can go another 18, 18 games left. I don't think they're going to go scores for the next 18. If they do, they're not making the playoffs. Um, yeah. And he and we asked Todd about that, you know, that kid line with uh, Velarde, Kapari, and, and Byfield. He likes the energy, and even Rob said it today. He said yeah. he likes the energy from that line. And John, I love energy, but you got to have some goals. And and this team has struggled to score all season. And look, it's a miracle job. Their five on play is so strong because their their special teams are horrific and they're average goaltending. So I don't think there's a lot of Dennis, options here, John. Yeah. Dennis, Dennis you're going to need to find a new word. Uh, horrific does not describe <laughs> special teams. We're going to need a new, I don't know what the new word is, but we're going to need a new word because at yeah. some point this year, you look at the talent on paper and at some point you would have expected the power play to start clicking. It just hasn't. I, John, I, I just don't think they have those type of play. Like they only have one zone entry guy. Okay. True. Yeah. And if he's the zone entry guy, how's he going to shoot the puck? And then Artie, nah, he's still fun. It's when he's just a kid, and it's his first full year. So to me, John, it's not coaching. They need better players. And and that mm-hmm. I'll give you and I'll give you my wrap on this team. I, mm-hmm. I will tell you this. And it more to know, and maybe Victor, maybe a little lesser player on a championship team. You know what they are? They're the third line from Tampa last year. Oh, of course. For that's sure. what they are. And and so they need that second line, and that's the question, and that's the challenge. But, John, I think that they just, look, you got to be aggressive in the offseason. I think that you oh, know, if sure. you make the playoffs, you got to build off this, and we can talk about that in subsequent podcasts. But to me, that that's the challenge. That's the issue is like the middle six where you're getting that scoring from, and it's going to be a challenge because even when these guys come back, John, there's no guarantee they're going to play at 100%. Like, Dustin – his injury, he might be gone for the rest of the regular season. It's looking that way. And and for people that don't think, and we could talk about this in the next period, but for people that don't think they're aggressive enough and Rob wasn't aggressive enough, I got news for you. You can't trade for a top pair defense at the trade deadline. And and that's what they're looking at with Drew and with Mikey Anderson. You'd have to replace both players for the rest of the regular season, the trade deadline. It's not possible. It never happened. So with respect to being conservative look they made their bets and i can't blame them because you don't know when these players are coming back the returns are staggered it's a very very difficult thing to navigate at this point in time all right so let's get into the trade the trades and 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 more on that in the third period let's just kind of finish out the the second by talking about those lines a little bit more because i think there is another option again just just spitballing here yeah Uh, that's all if you don't want to move the right side, if you want to put Arvidsson back with Deneau, and by the way, to me, it's a coin flip 50-50. I, I, could, I could argue either way. I could make the argument that you 
that you leave Kaliev there with Dano and that you put Arvidsson mm-hmm. up with Kopitar and that maybe the magic is there that wasn't there earlier in the year because RV was playing better prior to the injury. I could make the argument that you put him back on the second line and sure. with Dano and you get him going as quickly as possible for the reasons you mentioned that you need offense. Okay, fine. So forget the right side, right? You put 33 back with 24. What about the left side? You could, if you're looking to do something different to try to get the Kopitar line going, you could move Trevor Moore up. As crazy as that sounds to have Trevor Moore on the top line, but you could put Ayafalo on the second line. He's played well with Deneau, and you could go Ayafalo, Deneau, and Arvidsson, and I'd be just as comfortable as Trevor Moore being there. And could Trevor Moore give you something to get Kopitar and yeah. Kempe going, as crazy as that sounds? Well, but here's the thing. People have ragged on Dustin Brown all year. How many more points does Ayafalo have than Dustin Brown? Five? He needs to get going, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's a situation where you have all these injuries, and then your top guys don't produce so you're gonna have the situation where they've played 500 hockey for the last three weeks you hope it gets better the one thing that's in their favor john it's still in front of them they don't need help and they have a very they have the third easiest schedule in the league i mean they got a lot of games like this week with seattle and in chicago you got i mean you know look they may not beat uh, uh nashville tomorrow night but the rest of the week before you go to canada you gotta have three wins i'm sorry there's no excuse at this point in time so there's not like yeah they got a score and they've been struggling with respect to special teams, but this schedule, you make the playoffs. Oh, for sure. Now, you know a player that, just to to wrap this up, Dennis, you know a player that doesn't get talked about a lot, and for me is an absolute head-scratcher, is Leas Anderson. This guy, he's he's like Martin Furk, right? But better, in the sense that you put him in the American League, and he's way too good for the American League. He's scoring a goal Mm -hmm. or two goals every night. He's dominating at the the American Hockey League level, and you want to see more from him. First-round talent, you want to see more from him in the NHL. And other than just, like, very, very small spurts, he just hasn't been able to deliver, and you don't want to give up on him. The guy's in RFA this summer. You don't want to give up on him, but they're really running out of time to try to figure out what to do with him, and there's not enough time this season to figure out what to do with him, right? They've already decided, okay, he's going to play left wing because there was talk Mm -hmm. at center at one point, whatever. Is he going to be a wing? Is he going to be a center? Is he going to play right side? Is he going to play left side? It's great that he's versatile, but at some point he has to produce, and he just hasn't been able to produce, and then he's had these freak injuries. Yeah, He's a real head-scratcher to me, Dennis, and, and he's one of those guys that I think you look at and you go, you just want to hang in there, just like a Kempe. You want to yep. hang in there because you know that it's going to hit at some point and you don't want to give up too soon and then have them go somewhere else and score 40 goals. It's 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 a real head scratcher to me. It's tough, John, because when they're healthy, he's an extra forward. So he's yeah. not going to play that much. So I, I don't know. It's one of these guys that's a tweener. And I'm not sure that putting him in the line right now is going to solve anything, to be honest no. with you. So I think that's... Yeah, and I get it. He was a high pick and there's talent there and he's liked by the guys and he's gritty. He's got all all the tools, but yeah, maybe he's Kempe, but John, it was a six-year wait for Adrian Kempe. They can't wait six years on Lee Sanderson. That's my point. They can't. That's why I say they're running out of room. And here's the thing. Not a lot of guys play well with Kopitar. It's a certain type of player. Mm -hmm. There was talk after the acquisition that uh, maybe it was during training camp that Kopi liked the player. I don't know if there was like a European compliment there or what, but, and I don't know how you do it at this point because you seem to not have enough time left in the year, but yeah. maybe you find a way to get Leas Anderson five games with Kopitar. I don't know. I just, I get Dennis. They need offense some way, somehow, because you can't expect the Deneau line to be the only offensive no. line 
uh, you, know, you just you have to find a way to get offense elsewhere. And you know, we can talk about the fact they need to upgrade over the summer. But the point is, this this is the, this is the cards they have right now. So they right. have to figure out how to shuff, shuffle the deck and put the lines together. Let's take a quick break, DB. We're up against it. We'll come back in the third period. We'll talk all about the trade deadline. We'll talk about trading a seventh-round pick to Detroit and adding a defenseman. More after the break. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Welcome back, third period. We're going to hit the two topics that everybody wants to hear about, Dennis. We're going to talk about the injuries, and we are also going to talk about the trade for a defenseman, what the LA Kings did at the NHL level for the tra- at the trade deadline, that is. Um, why don't we first talk about some injuries, DB, because you made reference to it uh, earlier about Dustin Brown and the potential season-ending injury. Now, there was an article on Mayor's Manor, March 17th. That was the the luck of the Irish, if you will, uh, article that went through the injuries and gave a breakdown of each individual player. And then GM Rob Blake uh, today at his media availability went through it a little bit in greater detail. Now, at the time, uh, I had reported Dustin Brown likely out three to four weeks. That There's an issue there with the hand, with yeah. the finger, uh, mm-hmm. They're not really sure, Dennis. And so fill us in a little bit more about how long this potentially could be and what the situation is. Well, for Brownie, it just his finger was pulverized. I mean, there, there was surgery. I think it's a question, John, of how quickly the tissue heals with respect to the surgery. So it could be four weeks. It could be the rest of the regular season. They don't know. It, it depends on how how quickly you want a 35 or 34 year old player's finger heals. It's as simple as that. So they don't really know. It, it could be a regular season ending injury. It could be something where he's back in four weeks. They don't really know at this point in time. So that's where they stand with Dustin. Yeah, look, not only do they need a veteran like Dustin Brown back in the room, not only do they need a veteran like Dustin Brown back in the lineup, Dennis, yeah. uh, even if it's on a fourth line playing right wing, this is a pivotal moment in Dustin Brown's career. A guy oh, who's yeah, going to have course. 23 going up to the rafters, a guy who was the captain when they held hoisted the cup for two Stanley Cups, a guy whose contract is due at the end mm-hmm. of this season and becomes an unrestricted free agent. Will he come back? Will he not come back? We could argue that in the summer, but we can at least say there is always the possibility, DB, that the other DB, DB23, does not mm-hmm. come back to L.A. next year. This would be a horrific way to end yeah. his time in Los Angeles, whether that's to end his NHL career or whether it's to end his time in L.A. if he went somewhere else. This is not how you want to end your time as one of the greatest L.A. Kings of all time based upon the success that you had as the captain and winning a couple Stanley Cups and all that sort of stuff. Just this is horrific, Dennis. Yeah, well, if you hope it's six weeks from today, then you hope he gets back for the playoffs and he gets some playoff time. That's what you do. And, but a very painful injury. And John, it's... He's either playing here next season or he's not playing at all. I think yeah. it's coming down. He's not going to play for another team. He's just, it's just not going to happen. So it would be a terrible way if that was his last game as a king, which it's hard to fathom at this point, but the reality exists. Um, and, and you've made mention of this, John. At, at this point, he's like Shane Doan was in his final days with yeah. the Coyotes. And so do they need him in the room? Absolutely. This is a very young team that they can lean 
on a guy like this once they get to the postseason. But yeah, it's it's up for grabs right now. So you just hope that it, he is a little quicker, maybe gets a week or two before the season ends, and then hopefully postseason as well. All right. Well, I'm I'm hoping that three to four week mark. Uh, is more in line for, for Dustin Brown's yeah. sake more than anything else, right? Because sure. you always Agreed. want those veteran players to get a couple games in before the playoffs. You don't want to be sitting out for six weeks and then have to ramp it up for game one of the playoffs. So it'd be nice to get him in, you know, a week, maybe maybe three, maybe five games at the end of the regular season. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's what Willie Mitchell used to tell me, at least. So I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> off of that. If anybody knows about returning from injuries and having an impact, it would be Willie Mitchell. Uh, sure. We should get Mitchell and Sutter on to argue about that point. Uh, but we'll, we'll save that for a different show. Love me some Willie Mitchell. Uh, now, a couple of other guys. You had Victor Arvidsson. Um, I had reported at the time he was likely back next week, which now would be right. this week. And uh, I believe Rob Blake confirmed that as well today, that it sounds like here over the next couple of days that Arvidsson will be ramping back up. So it's just a question of which game he's going to get into. Yeah, and also beyond for it. They're, they're, those are the two closest to returning. Yeah, I was. I'm sorry. I was just going out the forwards. I, yeah. We have a whole okay. list here. Uh, I, I'm sure that Blake had a, had had to remember all the players that were out today, uh, Dennis, because it, it, it's a long list. He he. I, I asked him about the 25 players that were injured, and he said he actually <laughs> he actually had to write he paper out of his pocket yes, and had talking. to read the injury updates. He he couldn't remember them all. He had to write them down, which was. Which was amazing. So it was. It was fantastic. In a good and a bad way, John. Good, good to see him doing it in an old school way with pen and paper. Yeah. Not like a lot of these politicians now that read from their their smartphones. They right. read the emails. No, he, he went he went pen and paper, post-it note, highlighted <laughs> in different colors that indicated the timelines of when they would be back. Um, sticking with the forwards, before we get to the defensemen, there are two other forwards uh, that I had in the article and that the Kings have on IR. I mean, it's not like I had something special here. Uh, Brendan Lemieux, I had put down that he his current estimate was to be out about two weeks. Uh, and so that was about, from now, you would say that's close to another week or so. And again, I believe that that's what Blake confirmed today, uh, DB. Yeah, he's one week out from practice. Right. Okay. And then Double uh, A, who was injured, uh, the timeline that I had a week ago was TBD because they really had no timetable established yet for Andreas Atha to see you. And it appears uh, nothing has really changed on that front as well. Yeah. So Brown and Atha to see you, they're not scheduled to skate anytime soon. Correct. All right. So at the time of the writing, now we'll move to the defensive side of the puck where there were uh, five guys. That's <laughs> absolutely unbelievable, Dennis. Five players. Uh, that were in the starting lineup on opening night that were not available. The other night it ended up being six, but at the time of this here, uh, five. So you had, uh, uh, um, well, Edler returned, so that's good. Yes, um, I had reported at the time that Bjorn Foot would he was the next defenseman to return. Again, it seems like Blake confirmed that today, that he's the, the next up. Uh, it sounds like not Tuesday to me, Dennis, but potentially Thursday. Is that what you got the sense of? Yeah, it's a, it may practice this week. Okay. So it's not imminent. I don't think it'll be skating tomorrow. So, yeah, it would be, I think, towards the tail end of this week. Okay. So the Kings do have some games coming up. So we'll see how that works out. Of course, they have the two games coming up at the Seattle Kraken. We'll see if Bjorn Foot can get in there. Uh, now you have Drew Doughty, Matt Roy, Mikey Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, from my sources last week, there was no timetable set for Matt Roy. It was likely at least a few weeks. And it seemed that uh, that was kind of the same indication today. Is that right, that Matt Roy no, is kind of a... It's actually improved. So hopefully he's on ice by weekend. Okay. End of this week. So not, you know, just getting to the, so it's going to take another probably week, 10 days to get him up, but hopefully by the end of this week, Matt Royal will be on ice. So that is a a positive update. Okay. And then the other two don't seem to be going in the right direction. Yeah. 
I was, I told it would be at least two plus weeks, not expected to return uh, for at least that long. And that has now been upgraded. Uh, he went on LTIR uh, yeah. for some cap reasons, but also because he's not expected for six to eight weeks from the time of his injury. Correct. So although he would be eligible to come off on March 30th against Edmonton, and that's because you have to be on LTIR for X number of days, which is 24 days, and you have to miss at least, it's an and, it's not an or. It's 10 right. games and 24 days. So he would be eligible to return March 30th, but it sounds more like mid-April um, from a timeline perspective on Mikey Anderson. I think at best, John, it's the last five games of the season. At worst, regular season done. Yeah, and they need Mikey Anderson back, right? Um, not only do they need Mikey back, but they also need Drew Doughty back. Uh, and now, if you read the report that I had on Mayor's Manor, uh, I, I, I was having a difficult time buying into some of the feedback I was getting. It was like, hey, it could be as early as next week. I think that was Drew talking um, <laughs> and and spreading those uh, that those words uh, because the other reports that I was getting, what it, it was that it's much likely, uh, more likely, I should say, that it was going to be much longer. And it seems to be more of the latter and less of the former. Drew is skating. He's been passing the puck, but uh, has not been shooting the puck. I think I tweeted that a couple of days ago. And it sounds like Blake agrees uh, earlier today, Dennis, that uh, Dowdy is not, it's not eminent. Yeah, well, I've watched Drew. He's been on, he's been on ice for every practice. He is passing the puck. What his shot, when he shoots at the, at the net, he's lobbing the puck at the net. So it, it's, it's significant. Rob said this. He need they need to reassess the injury here, and he's a ways away from returning, which is not good. Which uh -huh. and and I pressed him, John. I said, does that mean? And that response was in response to my question of, there's been chatter he's going to miss the rest of the regular season, and he said it's too early for that. We have to reassess, but he's a ways away. So he's skating and he's staying in in shape with respect to his you know his cardio. But when I watch him shoot the puck, it's. I, I, I see why the chatter is there that it could be the rest of the regular season for this player. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of conflicting information, Dennis. That was kind of the point that I had in the original report last week. There's conflicting information, and it seems that it's kind of the same thing. Is like some days people are more optimistic, and then and yeah. then kind of reality sets in or whatever. So I'm not sure where it is. Uh, now the Kings did add another player, so you have essentially eight defensemen with Bjornfoot healthy right now. Uh, if Bjornfoot mm -hmm. is healthy, I should say. So Correct. you have seven defensemen that are going in. Uh, it's a Tuesday night's game because they kept up Strand, they kept up Movari, they have Spence, they have Dursey, uh, and then they have Edler, and they have uh, Mata. Mm -hmm. One more I'm missing off the top of my head. Um, anyway. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, thank you very much. The guy who we misspelled is both misspelled his name. Yes, which I was trying to get to. So they had seven defensemen. When you get Bjornfoot back, that would be eight. Now, uh, you can send somebody down to Ontario if you wanted to. That's fine. Uh, even though they may not be eligible for the playoffs, you could at least just, you know, get them playing and keep them off the roster in the NHL, and they could help at the AHL level because the rain need help. Um, but they did make a trade. Uh, they, and Dennis, this, this, is, this has been in multiple articles. I've been trying to talk about this. I think we mentioned it on the podcast before. If they wanted to make the deal for Chickering, the deal was there. If yeah. they wanted to make it, or at least if Arizona wanted to accept what L.A. was willing to offer, mm -hmm. and L.A. was not going to bid against themselves because teams like Boston, teams like Florida, et cetera, they passed out on the, or they, they removed themselves okay. from the deal. Yep. It was really left as a staring contest between the Coyotes and the Kings. Sure. Now, if you're Arizona, you don't like that. You don't like those odds. So you're like, hey, mm -hmm. let's just put a pin in this. Let's wait till the summer. And then more teams, maybe in Anaheim, maybe whoever, right? More teams could potentially jump in 
as contracts become available and as, as draft picks are now in play, uh, prospects are in play. And then, you know, you get three or four other teams and, you're, you know, you have a little bidding contest and, you know, Arizona's in a much better position. They wait, they're going to wait it out, yeah. just like Buffalo did with Eichel. And to add to that mix, John, because of the returns, when Brett Kulak gets you a second-round pick, the price for chicken went up from Arizona because they saw what was going on in the marketplace. They're going, okay, well, no, maybe it's two first-round picks. And this, so, yeah, I agree with you, John. There was one taker for this player, but at some point you got to tap out and say, I can't do that. They chose not to do it. And so – now we adjourn and we wait till the summertime. But because of the market was so crazy with some of these deals for defensemen, right, the price actually went up when you would think it would go down when there's only one buyer, like with Giroux. Like Giroux's return because only only wanted to go to Florida. So that was the issue. So, yeah, I think it's – look, could he help right now? Of course. But there's a certain limit, John, for every single player. And the price was too rich. So, again, you hope that there's some more sanity and more reasonability. And maybe the other teams that come in – aren't going to offer the same pool. And so there's some realities saying, okay, we do want to move on from this player in the summertime. And, and that would be the best time to do it. But I can't blame them based on the fact that the, the price that was already high, John, went higher. You can't do it. You can't operate from a, a position of weakness. Well, just to add a couple of uh, bits yeah. of color to that, Dennis, it's one of the reasons why I never believed the reports when they said that the price went down and they were talking like, oh, it's three assets. It's a first, it's a player, and it's a pick. Mm -hmm. No, that to me was a smokescreen because the other teams were dropping out and they were trying to then yeah. generate interest and they were trying to create a bidding war. It's right. smart negotiating. It's, I, I get you, yeah. right? Hey, everybody. No, 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 no. We're not trying to get the equivalent of four first round picks. It's three assets. Oh, okay. Well, then let me get involved in the conversation. And then you start telling this team, well, hey, now I have four teams that are bidding. You're going to have to up your offer. And then all of a sudden the offers sure. are going to get back. They're going to rise up to the level of what you once wanted. So I never bought the whole thing about it. It was just the three picks because the Kings would have pulled the trigger on that deal right away if it was the three that were rumored. And the right. Kings could have outbid some of those other teams. So it never made sense to me. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see how this thing plays out. And the other yep. thing I would say about it, Dennis, the Kings didn't need to bid against themselves because big picture, not right now, not in the moment, not the defensemen that they need right this moment, but mm -hmm. big picture, this team needs offense more than they need a, a defenseman. Big picture. Right. Yeah. So yeah. if you're going to spend four top-tier assets, you better make sure that you have your offense on lockdown. So mm -hmm. it's the same reason why I've believed all along that this deal makes more sense once the Kings either trade or sign as a free agent, a forward. Now, we know they're not getting Philip Forsberg because right. of all indications he's staying in Nashville. But the point is, you need to get somebody that's going to be a top six forward and is going to give you offense okay. so that, you know, you're not counting on Phil Deneau to carry the mail next year. Let's get to the trade. We'll finally get to it. Uh, okay. Troy Stetcher. You and I both are going to be murdered uh, by this guy's name throughout the year. Spell check every once in a while gets us. <laughs> Oli Mata still kills me. My phone does not like yeah. uh, the spelling of Oli Mata. No. Troy Stetcher, Troy Stitcher, Troy, uh, Troy Stretcher. Um, I've murdered it. You've murdered it. I don't know how. We should start a pool. There. Exactly. Yeah, we, we should start a pool to see how many times we get it wrong between now and the end of the year. The first fan that guesses the correct number, tweet us. We'll bring you on Kings of the Podcast, and we'll give you one minute to, uh, I don't know, give us trade proposals or something for the summer. So Troy Stetcher, 51, DB, uh, seventh-round draft pick. You pluck him out of uh, Detroit. And, oh, by the way, he uh, has some experience playing with Alex Edler when the two of them were together in Vancouver. Yeah, and unlike like many other Kings this year, he was injured and had a significant injury. He had a wrist surgery, but he's back now. I think he's back for a month. Played 15 minutes a night in Detroit. 
He's probably going to play more here at least to start. Probably be, and again, the familiarity with Alex Edler certainly helps. Uh, we have contacts in, in Vancouver um, that know Troy from his days in Vancouver. He's very excited to be here, very motivated. He is unrestricted in the year. doesn't mean he's going to stay here, but he, he's excited to go from Detroit to Los Angeles and is really looking forward to playing with this team and also reuniting with Edler. And Dennis, just think about, I mean, I'm not trying to overhype the trade. So, so anybody out there who wants to try to, you know, make this more than it is, don't. I'm just adding some context here. You're looking for a depth defenseman. Go back to the last podcast. We talked about it. The Kings aren't going to make a big swing. They're not nope. from a defenseman, right? Even though everybody was injured and they needed help on the blue line, they weren't trading a first-round pick to get Mark Giordano. They weren't doing nope. anything crazy like that, right? So what are you going to trade in order to add a depth defenseman? You're thinking, okay, you know, maybe like a fourth-round pick, maybe a fifth-round pick. Right? Oh, yes, yeah. They gave up a seventh-round draft pick. That's yeah. like the next best thing to future considerations, <laughs> right? I mean, it is future considerations, basically. <laughs> Seventh-round draft pick, Dennis. Yeah. I, I, so I think from that standpoint, you know, Rob Blake was conservative. He got the player that he needed, a player that he needed, right, a, a, a depth defenseman. Uh, I wouldn't call this necessarily dumpster diving, as some of the people used to accuse Dean of doing. Uh, maybe it is dumpster diving, but the point is it's a seventh-round draft pick they get some help on the blue line to patch things together until some of these other players come back. It's an NHL player. He's not a, right. not an NHL player. And if he helps you win one game, you won the trade. <laughs> you can't lose John. You can't lose the trade. You can't lose this trade. That's a great headline. Right. <laughs> Blake makes lose. a trade. The Kings can't lose. Can't lose this trade. Everybody's going to click into that article. They want to know what exactly. you're talking about. There you go. <laughs> Hey, Matt Roy was a seventh round draft pick. I Amen. guarantee you, you right now, Dennis, that somebody out there is not going to agree with your take. They're going to tell you that they oh, somebody that. on Twitter was upset that they gave up a seventh round pick. No way. Come they on. Wasted, I, I, I'll find the tweet. I'll send it to you. Somebody was upset. They wasted a seventh round pick. <laughs> they wasted. They yeah. wasted a seventh round pick. That's right. Has I'm anybody fine. looked at the odds of what a seventh round draft pick is to make the NHL? Mm -hmm. The odds go down into the 20s when you're in the third round, Dennis, and they start yeah. going teens and lower after that. So a seventh round draft pick, when you say it's a long shot, just like you need to find a new word for horrific, you yeah. might need to find a new word for long shot because yeah, a seventh yeah, round yes. draft pick making the NHL, you probably statistically have a better chance of winning the lottery, Dennis. I, I probably about the same, John. I agree with you. But, but, but one fan was upset that they, they wasted a seventh round pick on a guy who's played in the NHL for five seasons. Well, you need to fire Rob Blake. He's doing a terrible job. Yeah, he's terrible. wasting he's wasting seventh round draft picks. I was kind of laughing earlier today, though. And I know people say sometimes we bang on the fans. And it's not banging on the fans. It's You guys tweet us sometimes. So, I mean, if you're going to tweet us, we, yeah. we should at least be allowed to respond to some of this. And no, I was I laughing can't. to... I'm not allowed to. We'll get into that in a minute. Okay. I was laughing to myself thinking this just doesn't make any sense that when he's when Blake was trading away Muzzin and Martinez and, you know, and like the plan is clear as day what they're doing. Right. Yeah. And people are responding with what the hell are they doing? Oh, my God, it's terrible. It's horrible. Right. And then now they don't trade the assets. Right. And the, what is he doing? Yeah, yeah. How how did he not trade for Mark Giordano? Oh, really? You so even with the injured players, and you know you wanted the Kings to trade a first round draft pick. Mm -hmm. it, it's a name. You just wanted a name. Like yeah. if you really watch the Kings right now, I don't think that the defense is really that big of a problem. Like the, the kids are making some mistakes every once in a while, Dennis. But 
it's not like Mavari and 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 Spence and Dursey are yeah. costing you games. If you want to know what's costing the LA Kings games, at least in my opinion, Dennis, it's the lack of offense. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and the lack of execution in big spots. So, look, look. Okay. Would, would, would Giordano help this team right now? Of course he would, but at, at what price? At what cost? And, John, you need that first round pick to swing big. You got to make big swings here. Like, we're getting to a point where the team has to swing big, and they need that asset, not for Mark Giordano, who could walk at the end of the season. And That's they don't need point. him to get in place. Yeah, they, they need it for big swings, and they, they, they you can't do that. As far as the fans go, I, I, look, I've been getting the gears the last couple of days. And, look, if you if you disagree with us and we come back at you and say, well, here's why we don't think you're right, doesn't mean you're stupid. doesn't mean you're an idiot. These anonymous accounts that think they know everything about hockey and we know nothing – like, please, like you burner accounts and like, and, and the best response, I got to say this, John, like the best response was like, you know, you're anonymous and like, so why does your opinion carry any weight? And the response was, well, uh, I need the security of being anonymous. I'm like, security from what? Like, once you go on this platform, you're public. So to hear that, like you want to be anonymous, criticize me or you or whatever, and say that the fans don't like us or whatever, like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like your opinion doesn't matter when you're brave enough to put your name behind your opinions, then fine, that then do it. But when we challenge people with respect to their takes on our opinions, it doesn't mean they're wrong. It means, okay, here's why I think that when you think that Connor Garland shouldn't be traded for held Grant and it's a mistake. Well, I, I disagree with you because the guys are really good player. Maybe that player is good in three years or whatever, it's it's not a contest. It's not like I'm right and you're wrong. And that's the one perception, John. We come with strong opinions. That's why we are who we are. And we base it on facts and we base it on information. And to say, like, we don't know crap or we're insulting the fans or we're insulting anonymous accounts and not respecting anonymous accounts. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, log off of Twitter, create a new account with your actual name, come to <laughs> us with some legitimate takes, and then we'll be fine with it. Dennis, when the people come up to us at the elevator, the media elevators uh, between the game, you know, between uh, during intermission, I should say, at the games, and they want to shake the hands and they say, hey, thank you. Yeah. You know, I appreciate you guys giving us the information. Wow. You guys provide the best coverage of the team, blah, yep. blah, 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 blah. You know, that's the stuff that keeps that keeps us going and keeps us motivated. It, it's, it's the other people. These are the ones that crack me up, though, Dennis, just to rail on this for a second. Yeah. You don't like me or you don't like Dennis. Why do you follow us? Because I don't follow anybody <laughs> on Twitter that I don't like. I don't follow people on Twitter just to tell them they're a buffoon. Oh, you know, you don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Well, then why are you following me? How many people, and we don't hide, and we're public, and we're visible. How many people have ever come up to you and say, hey, you know what? You suck, and you don't know what you're talking about. No. There was the one yeah. guy, and you laughed about it. Well, actually, he what? didn't say that. He came up to me, and he said, why did you block me on Twitter? Oh, yeah. And what did I tell the guy? I don't remember why. I said, because you were probably doing something stupid and you were a buffoon and I didn't want to deal with you anymore. And then what did the guy say? The guy said, I'm sorry. Can you unblock me? I promise I'll behave better. I said, okay, fine. I said, I told him you're on probation. Like, I don't need your nonsense. I have one instance where actually somebody tried to tell me off. It was a couple of games ago when Kapari scored. (laughs) And I was sitting in my seat in the second round. A guy in the first row turned around and said, hey, you said Kapari couldn't score. And I said, you know what? (laughs) That that's his job, and that's his fourth goal of the season. <laughs> Not exactly the soapbox I would get on. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, okay, what? So okay. 
So to all you announcement council, you guys think you know more than us, and I'll probably get the gears again on Twitter about it. Like, yeah, I don't respect you if you're an anonymous account because I don't know who you are and what your qualifications are. Just follow along what we have to say. And just what, and as John always says, what? Read more, Read more tweet less. Tweet less. That's Here's it. the thing, Dennis. When people say, I want to make this very clear so that nobody takes this out of perspective. 99.5, yeah. maybe 99.4 percent of the fans they are great i love the responses on twitter i love the engagement i love the messages i love all the stuff i just am confused by the people that 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 hate us that still follow us because i like i said dennis i don't there are bands that i don't like um you could name one okay i don't follow radiohead or coldplay Okay, just so that every time they I put out a new song, music will be on the podcast. I guess I don't need to reply to them and tell them no, when their new single sorry. comes out. That's a pile of crap. <laughs> like, just, I don't need to do that. I, know. I right. guess some people do. Some people do need to do that. I, I don't know. Just, Dennis, exactly. I want to close out on the Garland thing yeah. because I want to give you two takes on it that I'm not sure. talking out of both sides of my mouth. But uh, I disagree with you. Uh, on the fact that I don't believe that the Kings were actively engaged in, in the Garland things, according to my sources. But I'm going to give you the flip side of it in just a second, if you'll hear me out mm-hmm. all the way. Sure. They may have asked a question. I mean, that's what they do. But they had kicked the tires on Connor Garland prior to the Victor Arvidsson trade, and I had talked about that right. last year when we were on the podcast. Uh, and they liked the Victor Arvidsson trade better than the Garland trade. So they liked the Garland play. They liked the player, mm-hmm. obviously, right? But mm-hmm. the problem now becomes the contract. And that contract, when you fit it in alongside the Ayafalo contract and the Kempe contract and everything else, uh, I just don't think that it was a deal that would have made sense for the Kings. But I will say this, in terms of a Helga Granz, that type of a trade makes a ton of sense for the LA Kings because as yep. much as I love Granz and as much as I think that he's a sleeper in their prospect pool, when you look down the right side of where they are with Dowdy and desktop? Dursey and Faber yep. and Clark, okay, and I haven't even talked about some of the other players, right? Yep. How's Granz going to get a sniff? Like, he's only, right. you know, Agreed. he's not. So you deal from a position of strength. That's what Helga Granz is. Now, I, I wouldn't necessarily trade him at this particular moment, um, but to the thing that we've said all along, Dennis, the Kings have too many prospects. They're going to have to start trading some of them at some point. Uh, even if they all became NHL players, you don't have room on the roster for all of them, right? So Granz at the moment is the odd man out. Now, if you end right. up having to trade one of those aforementioned players in another deal, then Granz slides up. But sure. at the present time, as the depth chart is constructed, Granz is well down on the depth chart. Yeah. Now I'll I'll just I'll just give you one more comment on this. Dersey was that guy one year ago. Right. Dersey was the guy that was five, six, seven spots down the right sure. side. And you thought, man, I don't think Dersey's ever going to really get a shot with the Kings because it's just it's not going to work. And random happenstance and circumstance allowed Dersey, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's climbed up two or three slots on the depth chart, and now he's there. And Granz could do happens. the same thing. Exactly. But life happens. Yeah. There you go. Life I'll happens. I'll tell you this. That Vancouver loves their defensive guys on the right side, and they need right defensive help. So if it's not Conor Gaunt or it's somebody else, you could – and, John, here's the thing. Like, when you have so much fruit on a prospect tree, you got to pick it at some point. You can't let it yes. overripe. And what's yes. happened here with some of these players, they've overripe, and now the value isn't as much as you thought it was. So it doesn't mean it's done or whatever. But to me, there's got to be some decisions made here with respect to the prospects and – Who's in play? Who's not play? Who's your real core? And it's it's a blessing to have all these kids on the right side, which is a, a, a quantity that's needed in the NHL. You're going to have to move some of them at some point, and it's probably going to have to be the summer because, as you mentioned, this team got to score. 
It's the only way they're going to progress. And if they're going to use those assets to do it, then I'm all for it. Well, think about it from the forward perspective too, right? If they went out and they traded for or signed a top six forward to get goals now, not goals three years from now, to get goals now, now. if they did that this summer, then what does that do, right, for the prospect pool? You have Kapari, Velarde, Turcot, Kaliev, et cetera, right? It makes it that much harder because you just mm -hmm. you just blocked yep. them in a way. You, you checked off one of the boxes that those kids could have moved into. So right. that's... Again, that's the reason why Kaliev is getting that audition, not just because of injury, but sure. you really need to know what you have in Kaliev. You, you need do. to know how ready he's going to be. Is he going to be ready to step in and play top six next top year? Six. Is yep. he top nine next year? Or would he be on the fourth line again for next year? What's your thought on what Blake did at the trade deadline and what's your thought on their, them making the playoffs? I think we're in the same sort of place. I'm fine with what Blake did. Yes, it would have been great if he could have added a little bit more depth, but... The prices were just too high, and I was yeah. fine because I look at it this way. Give the kids – my answer is tied together, Dennis. Give the kids a chance. Get them some experience. I think mm -hmm. they have enough to, to hold on to their playoff spot. When I look at the the, uh, the schedule, this team should make the playoffs. I never expected them to win the Stanley Cup, so I'm fine with what happened. What about you? Yeah, yeah I, grew an, I drew an analogy in my new comp for the fourth period. Basically, it's a high-stakes poker game, and Rob held. He's holding Kings. That's what he's doing. And and I can't blame him because, John, it's such a fine line to walk with these injuries. Like, you don't know. If you knew that everybody was going to be out, then should you have been more aggressive? Yeah. It's a friendly schedule. Like, if they play to their identity, there are teams they should beat. Seattle, Chicago, Anaheim now. Anaheim's lost six in a row. They're probably going to lose seven on the night. There's enough. You need to get nine, 500, nine to 10 wins. And with that schedule, they should be able to do it. Look, they're going to limp into the playoffs, but maybe the limping isn't such a bad thing because Spence is going to get more experience. Maybe this is a redemption uh, three or six weeks for Dave Velarde, right? Maybe Quentin Byfield actually starts producing. So to me, it's an opportunity for these players for different reasons to grab experience and prove themselves. And, and to me, so there's opportunity here and you got to go get it. So to me, I have no problem with it. it, it this is, and you know me, John. I want to be more aggressive than you do, right? But I cannot blame them because there's so many injuries. It's a very fine line to walk. And if the bottom falls out and they don't make it because they're so banged up, I can't blame the GM because what are you going to do? Like I said earlier, you can't trade for a top pair defensive duo at the trade deadline. You just can't do it unless you want to trade six first-round picks. You can't do it. So it's a very, very difficult thing for Rob to navigate. So I like what he did with respect to the patient's I know some people are done with the patients, but with respect to the injuries, it's not like this team was fully flushed and very healthy and they didn't want to add a piece. It's a very different situation, Some one that hopefully he never has to face in the rest of his career. All right. You're being a nice guy tonight. I'm not letting them off the hook. I, I am going to say it's an unmitigated disaster if the Kings don't make the playoffs. They're on pace for 97 points. I know they're injured. They're able to do it. The schedule favors them. Make the damn playoffs, Okay. And then I'm also not going to let anybody off the hook this summer. It's obvious what needs to happen to this team to improve yeah. the roster over the summer. The patients, they've been patient. They've been calm. They've been calculated. Blake's made the right moves. Yanetti's made the right moves at the draft table. The development guys have made the right moves. Ontario's flying. Everything's pointing in the right direction. Take that next step this summer. Mm -hmm. Make Agreed. the big swing and build upon the positives that happened last summer. I think it's all in front of the LA Kings right now, DB. Agreed. To me, the optimism is there, not the negativity. It's optimism at this point. All right, Kings of the Podcast, Kings of the Receipts, whatever you want to call us. We'll be back with another episode soon. DB, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon, buddy.
Winners and losers Turn the pages of my life We're beggars and choosers With all the struggles and the strife I got no reason to turn my head and look the other way We're good and we're evil Which one will I be today? The saints and sinners Lovers and haters, the strong and the weak will all